Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by sponsors like Johnsonville Foods, SwineWeb.com, Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth, and SwineTech, the award-winning creator of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how you can reduce piglet crushing and your overall pre-winning mortalities by nearly 25%, visit SwineTechnologies.com. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rhoda, your host for today's episode. Today, we will be discussing COVID and revealing who we are and where we want to be. Joining us today will be Chase Stahl and Mike Wobana from Fairmont Vet Clinic. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good morning, Matt. Thanks for, thanks for having us. No, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. I think we're going to have a very interesting discussion that a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of. You two have been through quite a lot, but before we dive into today's topic, I'd really love for you guys to introduce yourselves and give us a little insight to your backgrounds. I'll let Mike go first. Um, I grew up here in Martin County, Fairmont. Uh, grew up here, went to school here. Uh, I graduated from Gustavus in St. Peter, Minnesota, uh, financial economics and public accounting. I worked in the uh, Fortune 150 industry for about four or five years, and then um, my dad has actually been a manager of one of the South Farms we managed for over 20 years, and that was my connection with the FEC PCM group, and got an opportunity to join the team, and was excited to get back in the hog industry, and just love the people and love the area, and I'm glad to work with local local producers again. And so I've been here for six years, and CEO now at PCM, so uh, that's that's my side. I think, Mike, you should probably expand a little bit on PCM, what PCM is. Yeah, PCM essentially started in the late 80s. Um, their main, you know, claim is they help people run sow farms, um, create some efficiencies from pig flow standpoint, uh, manage everything from the sow farm, um, genetics, building, um, the operations, the people, um, and obviously team with the vet clinic from a health standpoint, uh, just to help people be able to put the right pig on the ground um, with the right health, with the right genetics, and be successful marketing the hog. Obviously, the last 10 years has become more interesting from a marketing standpoint, and working together at that level too um, with groups like, you know, marketing to hormone, et cetera. And uh, it just seems like you get added more and more and more um, working together to be more successful. Um, that's kind of where we're at. And that's a big piece of it. So we help manage probably 40,000 sows is where we're at. So. Well, Matt, appreciate, appreciate this opportunity again. Uh, Chase Dahl grew up in uh, Clarion, Iowa, the metropolis <laughs> of Clarion, Iowa, uh, smack dab in the middle of uh, Mason City and Fort Dodge. So I uh, graduated from Iowa State Veterinary School in 2012, spent a year, uh, a wonderful year with Iowa Select, um, really learning how to be a veterinarian, uh, had the opportunity to come up to the Fairmont Vet Clinic. I was an intern here when I was in veterinary school, um, made that decision in 2013. Uh, been here well, ever since, joined the partnership in, I believe it was 2016, 2017. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, one of eight partners here at the clinic. We work very closely with, with Mike and his team at PCM. Um, kind of a, a goal or 
I guess, the foundation of, of our businesses is where we work together to make the pig win. Because uh, the pig wins, the uh, producer wins, and if the producer wins, we win. So uh, excited for the conversation today. Likewise, and thanks again for those great introductions. I am uh, interested in starting off with talking about COVID and the current challenges and really just discussing how effective are we really today in, in fighting those challenges. Yeah, I think the biggest question is, you know, you hear comments about how efficient the hog industry is as a whole. Um, and I think, you know, the last 10 years, you can say from a production standpoint, you just look at the numbers, the amount of animals that are coming out of these sow farms is just is, is unbelievable. And that is genetics related, that's facility related, that's, you know, health related, that's all the above, right? Um, all those things. But then um, you go look at the last five years in terms of the dollars that these guys are taking home. Um, just from getting the animal to the packing plant. What is the true ROI? I mean, if you're a top five producer, you're maybe luckily, if you're fully integrated, meaning you own the sow facility, you own your wean to finish barns, you own the land that you grow the pig on, you're maybe getting a 10 to 15% ROI. And there's not a lot of people out there that are independent family farms that own the full circle. So the last five years with where the dollars we've been getting at the packing plant, have just been, why am I doing this is the question that comes up. Uh, what are we doing this for? Um, why aren't I just putting my money in the stock market and make a heck of a lot more than I'm doing now? Obviously, it's hard to do, make that adjustment because, you know, you live on the farm. You have you see the sow, you know, see the sows, you see the pigs. It's, uh, it's difficult to imagine doing anything different. Um, but where we are and where we have been in this COVID has really lifted kind of the veil on everything. <laughs> and uh, we just have too many pigs right now. Um, and the questions are really coming up of, is this something I want to keep doing? Just a little background information, Matt, Martin County, um, the most dense hog producing County in the state of Minnesota. Um, probably the well, top set, top 10, I think it was number seven. Uh, hog producing county in the country. So we are very, very grained, um, good foundation with solid independent producers that multiple generations have been involved in raising pigs, growing the corn, feed the pigs, make the manure, grow the corn. It's a, it's a heck of a good cycle, but we've kind of reached a cusp, um, and Mike alluded to it, that uh, Mike and I are probably about the same age, you know, give or take four or five years. I got a few more grays than he does, so uh, I might have more hair than he does, though. <laughs> uh, but we're getting to the point where the generation is trying to figure out, our generation is trying to figure out, is, is this life for me? Um, do we want to put, put up with the risk and, and take over the family operation? At the same time, we've got some really rock-solid producers that are reaching the point that, hey, we want to maybe slow down and do this uh, thing called retirement and not have to you know, worry about pigs every day. So it's 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 been a journey, and I tell you what, Mike's Mike's um, going to probably expand on a lot of things today that um, hopefully will get get everybody in the audience thinking here. So financially speaking, where are we today? What really is our return? What is our capture? And may, might you talk a bit about our reliance on futures, which is so different from how the rest of the world works? Yeah, I mean, I'm. 
I guess I, I don't want to inundate people with numbers, but you know, you just look at from 2009 to 2015. So I got nine in there, which isn't a great year. And then you got 14 was a really good year with PED, obviously. Um, and 15 was technically a good year too, but really in 14 and 15, if you didn't have a marketing plan, hopefully you didn't have a, you know, a marketing plan in 14 and maybe you put it into 15. But if but what, what happened a lot is people had a marketing plan in 14, didn't make as much money as they thought they'd make. And then they didn't have one in 15 and then, then they lost more money than they should have. So that's where it gets back to just being consistent, sticking to the plan and going with it. But just throwing numbers out there, you know, the futures in the Western Corn Belt, just base markets, were that 92 to 95% of the cutout. You know, a lot of people are looking at the cutout now. The last four years, we've been about 82% of the cutout. So is that more pigs? Yeah, it's been more pigs. That's definitely. But the frustration from a from an owner standpoint, a pig owner standpoint, is that that 6%, if we could have got that 6% in relation to the cutout, the meat value, the value of the pig itself, that's $10 a pig. That's a game changer for people. You know, right now, if you're best, one of the best producers, your ROIs may be full picture, if you're lucky, 10 to 15%. And that's full picture. So reality, I mean, we're well below, you know, that 5% range. And that's not even including depreciation, taxes, you know, full picture. So that's where we're in a serious crossroads of what the heck am I going to do tomorrow? I can't keep doing what I've been doing the last four years, getting paid when I'm getting paid and say, I'm going to keep doing that. I wouldn't ask anybody to do that. I wouldn't ask them to do that. So on that point, not asking people to do that because we can't do that. Mm -hmm. What is the industry? What is the industry that we want? What is the Mm -hmm. industry that we need to strive for to make pork production work for everybody? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to talk, you know, throw anybody in the bus or do anything, but you know, a lot of the industry has been fighting against the Proposition 12 in California. They've been fighting against free access. Um, I'm not going to say it's right or it's wrong, but they've been doing it. Um, and they say it's cost of production related. Okay. Um, yeah, facilities cost more. I'm not sure there's really any issues with, as long as you do it the right way, I don't think there's any issues with the production wise. No. It's just going to be pure facilities related. Um, so they're fighting. Okay, that's fine. Um, my frustration is, is I would say our frustration. Our frustration yes. is, is that maybe the consumer, you know, the, the packer or the meat, you know, the person that markets the meat and adds value to the meat says the consumer won't pay for it. Okay. I argue that maybe they won't pay for that, but they're going to pay for the story. The consumer doesn't know it, but they want the individual, independent, family farm, local, Minnesota, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Utah, doesn't matter, Ohio, Wisconsin. They want to know where their meat's coming from, who's doing it, where's the money going back to. You know, you look at the biggest producers, packers in the world are in the United States right now, Chinese, Brazilian. Where's that money going? Those are hard questions that we all need to answer, you know, because this is, this, we're at a crossroads and we really have to ask ourselves, who do we want to be? Because right now we're going down the path of being basically just a generic product with, you yeah. know, we don't even know where it's going after that. You know, let's just, yeah. let's just throw egg in corporate America because that's where we're going. That, no, it's a great, a really great point. And it really makes me think about from a consumer perspective, when somebody says, hey, I got cheese curds from Wisconsin, everybody's ears perk up. Their eyes light up. I want them. 
Yeah. When people say, I got an Iowa chop, if you're in Iowa, you might know about that. But people should be perking their ears up all over the place in Minnesota chop too to throw a Minnesota up from Iowa, Iowa chop. That's a good cut. Mm-hmm. People don't know that. Mm-hmm. And it might not even be coming from Iowa. I don't even know. <laughs> you know, our, our, our ability to put aside our personal beliefs, you know, um, well, you, you, you referenced Prop 12 and Lusau housing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got great producers and Excellent, excellent numbers on in both production systems, right? Yep. Um, but if we take a step back, Matt, our generation, I'm going to include you and, and Mike and I together, <clears throat> excuse me, that this, this trend for consumers to want to know more about their food, how it's grown, where it comes from, the story behind it is only going to increase, my friend. I mean, look at technology. Look at, look at what's happened in the last 10 years with, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and, you know, being able to scan a little code on a, on a product with your phone, take a picture and boom, you get whatever information you want. I, I just think as an industry, we got to embrace this. Um, we got to tell our story. We, we got to tell our story. It's, yeah. It, and one of the things that scares me too is, you know, you hear comments about COVID and not going to the grocery store uh, and ordering your meat. I'm yeah. Like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want the producer or the consumer to go into the grocery store or go into that uh, meat market and, and say, hey, what are these options? What are these cuts? Where did this come from? I want, we want you to get as close to knowing where that came from as you can, right? I mean, is that, at least personally, that's where I would want to do. You know, that's why we still buy our own hogs. That's why we buy beef cattle from right here. We know where it's coming from. We like it and it works and we love it. You know, I think people want that option. I pay more for a beef cow that's grown in Martin County than I would at Hy-Vee or Fairway. Mm-hmm. I pay more for, you know, I'll go buy a pig from a local producer and grow it myself. And I'll probably pay more for it than I could at the grocery store, but I know where it came from. I know exactly what's going on with it. I knew what, where we took it. And that's smaller because we're local and we have mm-hmm. those abilities. But let's try to give that option to people that live in Minneapolis or live in Iowa City or anything like that. I mean, that's, that's where I stand. Here's, here's one, an interesting uh, um, situation that I was in. I was in a barn with an um, independent producer, and we're having tough discussions, Matt. Um, he's at a point in his life where he's – that R word, that retirement word is coming up, and uh, you know, markets, are, markets are what they are. But he made a comment to me that, you know, I've been, I've been raising pigs for almost 50 years. And he, he said, you know, when I go in the grocery store here in Fairmont, you know, I've, there's a good possibility that if there's a Hormel product on the shelf, that, that my operation or this county had a large influence in it. And I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in that knowing that I'm feeding other people's families. Um, and he just said, I don't know that I've done my job telling my story, but that, that's what motivates me to get up in the morning. Um, and this is, this is from a gentleman that's in his, you know, mid sixties, you know, and I'm 34 years old and I just kind of stood back and let that resonate in my head. And it's like, wow, that's, that's what, that's what life's about. I mean, that's that passion right there. Yeah. And it's, it truly is that passion of going out there and feeding the world and people take a ton of pride in that. I mean, I've even thought about, it. I wonder if this is uh, this is pork that I help produce and, and you never know. 
And there's those stories. And I think that there's so much that we can do to improve the, the story behind what we do as pork producers, where it comes from, the passion that went into that product, and some of the differentiation that that can, can drive. And I really think we're going to engage consumers and bring them into this industry and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know that this was different because of this reason. Or, oh my goodness, can't you taste the difference? And even if they can't, they think they can because they're reading a label with a story and they're so connected to the origins of that pork and that product. I mean, one thing it makes me think of is you look at craft breweries, right? We were so set on just a significant, uh, simple way. But the moment you knew this is coming from my region, people take pride in this, just took off. And then people share that with their friends and their families. And they say, you need to try this because this is something that's close to me that I found that, that I can connect with. And I just think there's so many opportunities for improvement there. Now, you hit on independent producers. Can you talk a little bit about their situation? We've heard a lot of the, the situations that some of the bigger players are facing. But how about these independent guys? What, what's, what's their life and world like right now? Tough. <laughs> um, stressful. Uh, I will say though, uh, this, this is, this is maybe, and might back me up here. Um, this current situation is maybe a little different. Um, one of my senior, senior partners here has said, you know, we've been through several ups and down cycles, right? The old classic hog cycles, but never have we been at a point where we haven't been able to take pigs, um, deliver pigs to to the packer. Um, I'll tell you that we we as a family, and I'm, I'm talking FEC, PCM, and all of our, all of our clients, uh, we've worked together really, really hard here over the past uh, three, four months. We've been, we've been fortunate in terms of being able to do some of the diet manipulation things to quote unquote hold pigs. Um, but we're, 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 we're managing through it. Mike, I'd like you to kind of jump yeah. in here because you receive a lot more of these deep calls than I do, but yeah, I think from PCMFC, you know, we take our relationships very seriously and they're very important to us. Um, and I think in situations like this, this is where they come through. Obviously, we're not getting paid what we'd like to get paid. No. But um, our relationships with, the, you know, our packers and our hog buyers, and they've been very good to us. I mean, very good. And I think that all comes back to relationships. And um, so we've been able to manage through it pretty good. Yep. It really just comes down to the pricing. I mean, yeah, we've got a couple situations where, hey, we don't have anywhere to take these ice wings or these feeder pigs. So, you know, we haven't done any, any euthanization, but we've, um, you know, given away pigs for free um, because we are backed up a little bit. But um, our relationships with our producers here at PCM and FEC and then their relationships with the, with the packer and our help with those relationships and kind of being always engaged and just being transparent and open and honest with them has, has helped. You know, we have that equity built up with them so it has helped so we're okay from uh, just trying to get pigs out of the barn standpoint but just purely comes back to you know the dollars are getting paid for them and i think everybody's kind of going through that right now I, but i would agree if you pull away 2020 i mean i wasn't even talking about 2020 I'm talking about the last four or five years is we just feel like we haven't been i don't want to say treated fairly but you know we feel like we just haven't got a fair shake at what we think the product is worth um that's kind of where it comes down to and that's a very common thing that people have been talking about as of late. It, it, it's definitely not just a, 
the feelings of individuals in Minnesota, right? This is something that over the United States, people are like, okay, we need to take another look at this. When earlier on, we talked about uh, the new generation taking over the farm and what they have to think about. Can we kind of talk over that with these independent producers, uh, millennials our age that are reaching to the point of taking over the reins? What, what is going through their mind and, and what do we need to, to make, almost encourage them to do that? Well, I think the biggest thing right now is if you want to be fully, I don't, I'll say use the word integrated. I don't want to use that, but this isn't fully integrated without any packing um, ownership. It's just pure land, facilities, operations. You need probably $150 per pig you want to feed, not per pig, but per pig you want to have on feed in just equity to be able to go out and do it. So we're talking about huge amounts of money that the bank wants to have down before you can even play the game. So one of the huge issues I see in the industry right now is barrier entry from just a pure financial standpoint. Then the other issue, barrier entry from a marketing standpoint, if you don't have a marketing contract, you know, you ain't getting in the game. So how do we set up the stages of ownership so that some of these families or individuals can start to get into it? with their foot, get a feel for it, and maybe use mom or dad or grandpa and grandma or the neighbor or a friend in a different ownership you know, capacity to start to build some of that equity so that they can step into some of those other areas of ownership. Um, and that's kind of really what we're looking at now is we kind of, we want to keep it all together, but we got to break it up a little bit because there's a lot of money in a certain generation right now where all that equity is sitting and it's really how do we take advantage of it and kind of parlay it into the next generation. So that's what we're trying to do now because um, it's expensive to be, it is. to be in the hog industry today. Is there any low-hanging fruit around that, around taking that equity and getting it out into the market? Any ideas that you guys have been able to come up with at, at this time that you're willing to share? Really, I think the biggest thing we're looking at is pulling the facilities out so we look, a lot of times we look at these south farms as just at cost productions, really pull the facilities out, make it an investment. So maybe you get some different players in that game because it's a true investment. Throw the operations in. And then the operations is besides in getting value and, and building value in the south herd, that's, that's an at cost, you know, thing. And then we go wean to finish and we're to the point where maybe you, you, you don't have one south farm, but you have two, three, four, five south farms where everybody can work out a pig flow and work together from a marketing standpoint. Um, and then how do you look at, you know, who's responsible to mark the hogs, to get the hogs to market at the right time, you know, get some of agreement there. So then you can still maintain maybe more ownership in the wean to finish barns and you can build some equity there. Um, and then you buy corn and meal at a certain price. Mm -hmm. um, so you can build some equity there. But you still want to keep lines and walls up so that you're treating each operation fairly. Because um, you don't want to have all the burden on the pig. You want the same time you want the pig to be, you know, stand on its own too. So, but I think just creating, I don't want to say gaps, but kind of walls between each section so that you can look at each operation, how it should be looked at and analyze what are we doing wrong here? What can we do better here? Um, you know, what can we add here? Oh, maybe we should invest more here, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where we're you're not breaking it up, but you're just trying to really see what each part of your operation is doing. I would say uh, Mike's very detailed and, and bless, his, <laughs> bless his heart. Love it. Love it. Um, big picture. 
uh, Matthew, we're leveraging uh, not only our location, our geography, um, we're right in the heart of mid the Midwest. This, this area is perfect for raising corn, raising big pigs, soybean meal. Um, we're going to leverage the heck out of that. We're also going to leverage and continue to utilize the, what do I want to say, cooperative nature, working together um, mentality that this, this area, this county, our clientele have. Uh, this is not the first time that no, the no. face of this industry has changed. Um, some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. But neighbors working together. Um, we've had several instances where neighbor A decides that, hey, we're done owning pigs. Neighbor B says, hey, I got, I'd be willing to put pigs in your barn. Guess what? They, they create a contract relationship, and it's, uh, they've been raising pigs together for mm -hmm. 20, 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, that's just, that's just kind of the, the world we live in here. And what Mike spoke to right there, we're going we're gonna to build on what's already been kind of our foundation. And see what opportunities are out there. One thing I was going to add to Mike is um, we talked about some of those maybe niche opportunities, this uh, loose housing opportunities, trying to, trying to put our clients on a path to get that product for that consumer. Yeah, that's so it, yeah. differentiation, attributes, yeah. and provide something to people that I think they want or they want to be, you know, provide something different, you know? Yep. Yeah, and before we kind of hop into a next segment, which I'd like to just kind of consider to be opportunities for the industry and for individuals within the industry, I want to step back in and think about the current independent producer. And if we ask them, why do you do what you do? What might someone towards the later ends of their career here say? versus somebody who's just getting started? I think later end of the career, they did what they did because um, they wanted to take full advantage of what they had, meaning their, maybe their facilities or the land. Um, it's what they knew. Um, it's where they grew up. It's their community. Um, they can make a living here, and it's what they have, and it's how they you know, get a return on what they have. But at the same time, you're always doing it for the next generation, right? You go back to the community. They're doing it for their family and their community. Maybe their, their son or their daughter doesn't want to come back and be directly, you know, a producer. But maybe they want to come back to the community and be a, a vet, be a finance guy, be in the insurance industry, um, be a plumber, be an electrician. Um, you know, keep that, keep those dollars in the community. You know, there's, like Chase said, there's a lot of value here that we can take advantage of and keep in the community, keep it local. And it's not just Mark County. It's all over Southern Minnesota, Northern Iowa. Keep the money in the community. You know, and that, grow that product here. Maybe it's not as efficient. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive, but that's where you get back to the story about community. Mm -hmm. And that money's coming right back. And that's why I think they do it. And I think that the new generation might not know exactly that's why they're doing it for, but I think... You know, obviously they want to make a living and they want to grow up, do the same thing back all over again. It comes full circle. I think as they get down the line there, they want to keep this ball rolling down the hill for, for everybody to come. I, I would agree with that statement. And I would say that 
we we deal with one newer client that it's brothers that they 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 left the farm yep. and they they were working in in a more urban setting and was in the barn with one of them and he just made made the comment that I enjoyed the way I grew up the community I was surrounded with and I want that opportunity for my kids and my family and uh, he just he just said that the urban lifestyle was was not for him so hustle and bustle, hustle and bustle yeah. yeah but at the same time he said I'd like to be able to keep the lights on and put food on the table too <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that's a big thing that farmers don't get enough credit for and I'm going to step back and say farmers as a whole when you hear individuals that are out of touch with with agriculture um, they very much just connect the farmer with his farm but the farmer is typically the backbone of their local community doing much more than I think people realize. And that's a big part of who they are, their family, their community. Yep. No, I, I can tell you right now, if the pork industry were to disappear in Martin County, it would be a devastating event for this county. And they play such a big role. Yeah, they got a lot of roots that run all the way through. Mm -hmm. They support this community big time. So what opportunities do we have within the industry now moving forward, talking about uh, working with packers, uh, locking in prices, uh, marketing their hogs? What, what opportunities can we do independent producers have to take full advantage of that? Today, I don't know how many there are. <laughs> That's kind of why we want to talk. <laughs> yeah, let, let's step forward a bit. Let's, let's start thinking. Uh, let, let's get back out of COVID. Let's say that the, the hog market has been caught up. Uh, we've returned to some sort of normal. How can the independent producer market their hogs at their fullest capabilities? I think we have to work with the packer if we're not going to own it. I think there's some producers that have decided to try to own it and tell them story themselves. But if we're not going to own it and do it, we need to work with them to say, hey, we want to tell our story. I think you want to tell the story too. Let's work together to tell the story. Um, I think we're going to add value to the product that way just by the story. You know, let us get some of that. You know, the, producer, the packer we work with does a great job Excellent. in adding value to that product. Post. Mm -hmm. Post just the meat, right? I mean, they do a heck of a job. Yep. And you can't ask for more than that. I mean, that, they've added a ton of value to the pig that way. They're making us look good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They do. But let's take it another step and let's say, hey, I think that you want us around. We like working with you. We want to be around. Figure, let's figure out a way together to even go deeper underneath just getting the pig, you know, the, the meat in the, in the grocery store. Let's tell the story even more. Let's add value that way so that you can help us stick around and we can help you even add any, even more value to who you are and your product. You know, let's differentiate ourselves even more. We're not just a cookie cutter generic producer. This is a community type, you know, process. And you're involved in it and we're involved. We want to maintain a win-win relationship um, as much as possible, Matthew. Not, uh, we don't want it to be all one-sided because obviously the packer, we want them to make money because um, if they're making money, we, we, hope, we hope we're making money. Uh, I think you referenced it. Yeah, you referenced that perfectly the other day when we talked. That's usually the best relationships, Matt, that I've learned is when it's uh, um, a win-win for both parties. 
they usually stay together and work together a long time. When we start to get off center of the highway, then that's when things dissolve and um, relationships don't work. Yeah, you talk about, I, I had a comment the other day, and that's, this goes for anything, you know. They talk about when the pendulum swings too far one way, guess what it does? It comes back way too far the other way. Mm -hmm. How can we just keep that thing rocking in the middle? Everybody's happy. Everybody's winning. Um, and we're doing what we love to do. And we're doing it together, you know. So would you say that the industry is, how do I put this, ready for a complete pricing mechanism overturn, a complete makeover? It's a good argument. Uh, there's a lot of, I don't even know if it's even just the pig industry, man. I mean, there's discussions on the beef side right now. Yeah. yeah. Very serious discussions. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's out of the question, Mike. I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I, I'm interested to hear what your comments are. I mean, certain people get certain marketing contracts because of who they are and the size they are. I mean, that's just a matter of fact. But then that's driven by just size related. That's not even the quality of the product or what the product is. Obviously, I think the Packers probably driving some of those decisions locally for them to say, hey, we want this or that or this. Okay, we'll do it for you. Boom, let's go. Um, and when you get contracts like that, that's what kind of causes, you know, you get these cost plus contracts, you know, hey, yeah, we'll do this. We'll pay you this. Well, that's what causes way too many pigs because that's not capitalism. That's just hey, we need more pigs and we know we're going to make money on the product, we'll make sure you get money too. Well, you get too many pigs on the ground and you get issues like we have now. Um, so you get pricing that isn't fair, um, just based purely on size. I yep. think that's some of the frustration we have. Um, Do you have any perspective on how outside U.S. packing ownership affects the independent producer? <laughs> Only theories. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's... Hog hotline, Matt. I I don't. This is Chase. This is Chase talking. But I mean, you think you think you'd want to protect your own interests, right? Um, and I don't know if I don't want to put anybody up against the wall here. But I mean, your outside interests. I mean, you're, you're going to protect them. No, right? I just think. I just always like to say I don't like to point fingers. I like to look in the mirror, and. Um, Good, good. Let's just pull it back and say, I'm not saying that there's some you know companies in this in this country in the hog industry that have done haven't done great things for the hog industry, and that certain producers need to do what they do so that they can keep the lights on, mm -hmm. and feed their family. Okay, but let's just look in the mirror, and the two biggest you know packers in this country are Chinese and Brazilian. That's that's fact. Let's just look in the mirror and say. Is that who we want to be? Mm -hmm. Ask the questions. Now, I know yeah. a lot of those dollars are coming back maybe to the United States, but is that who we want to be? Those are not American-owned companies. And that's a, that's a fair question to ask, and I think it is important for people listening in whatever perspective they're coming from. If we were looking at a let's feed the world, let's feed America, let's, let's take a, a, a macro perspective <laughs> – there are a lot of things that are being done by these big organizations, but we're really taking an independent producer's perspective. We're taking mm -hmm. it from our community and our family comes first. What, how do we feel we need to be driving this industry? And when you take that perspective, it is important to look in the mirror and to figure out how we're partnering and how we're working towards the greater goal. Yeah, exactly. Are they looking out for our interests? 
Can we, that's just a question. I don't know if I can answer that today. Um, I'm not them, but are they looking out for our interests? I think a lot of people would say no, because why would there be producer-owned packing plants? Why would Prestige be putting up a plant? Why would Holstone be putting up a plant? I don't think they think certain people are looking out for their interests. None of our producers are really doing that, but you know, why are they doing those things? Well, they're doing it for a reason. They want to get their story told the way they want to tell it. Um, and they want, they, they, they want to look out for their interests. Yep. That's what it comes down to. So how, uh, I guess so one thing we talked about, uh, about a week ago was the, the poultry model, right? <laughs> um, how, how does the pork industry, our model and the poultry model, how is it coming close together? Is it, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the two and are they closer than we might realize? I think we're at 75% fully integrated, aren't we now? It's getting so, close. Yep. Yeah. I, <laughs> if we're not there, we're getting close. Yeah. What is, I mean, it, for those, and I mean, I bet there's a lot of listeners that don't know a lot about the poultry industry. And, and I'm also clear to say, I don't know a whole lot about the poultry industry uh, compared I'm to the swine I'm not either, either, Matthew. No, I'm not either, no. <laughs> yeah. no. Okay. So it's, I think it's important for people to go out there and try to learn. Learn what does the poultry industry look like? Is that something we want? What mm -hmm. does a more community-centric industry look like? Is that something we want? Try to get educated on other models, other industries to figure out if that's the world we really want to be running towards. Yeah, and I'll preface, the poultry model is maybe the correct model for poultry. I'm, we're not here to, to mm. cut anybody off at the legs, mm. you know, by any means, but correct. You, you hit the nail right on the head, Matt. We need to take a step back and look and say, hey, understand what the poultry model looks like because it's, it's knocking on our door in the pig industry. And if that's the model that we want, we better just step aside and let it go. Um, I, I'm going to tell you right now, this family here in Martin County, and like I said again, clinic, PCM, our clients, that's not a model they want. That's not a model we want. And it's important to step back and know, especially as an industry, and if that's what the majority of the industry wants, then let everybody know because yeah, there yeah. probably are independent producers who would say, if that's where we're going, then I have a pretty good, clear idea of what I need to be doing as an owner to either stay in business, get out of the industry, expand, whatever that might be. That yeah. clarity of what is the goal of the industry, I think, is so important to communicate if we want to help people run profitable and successful businesses. Exactly. Am I, am I going to be able to sell a niche market? You know, does the industry want me to sell a niche market? Do I, you know, we're not, you know, the poultry industry went full antibiotic and they're trying to go full cage. They're doing those things and I don't know, you know, a lot of it's getting voted. But um, yeah, am I going to have that opportunity as an independent producer? And if I'm not, then I probably don't have the ability to really play the game anymore because I'm not big enough by myself. Um, and I think if you even ask producers today, I mean, there's a lot of guys locally that they don't want any hogs in their barns that barns that aren't their hogs. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it's just, it's a tough question to ask because, you know, you put so much time and so much effort and, uh, and dollars and sweat and tears in these things. It's, it's hard for these guys to think about not owning those pigs in their barns. Um, are knowing that their son or their daughter owns those pigs and takes care of them and that 
that are really tied to them. It's a, it's a hard thing. Yeah, especially when it does come from a root of community and family. Uh, all of a sudden now you feel like maybe you feel like you're selling out. Maybe you feel like you don't have that genuine story to even tell your community or family, which you had <laughs> hold so hard on to for so many years. And a lot of pride with that, Matthew. Yeah. These guys, these families have a lot of pride in saying this is a century farm. Look at what I built. Look at what I've been able to accomplish. That's uh, you can't put a monetary value on that, my friend. That's that's an internal self pride, and I. So that's why I love what I do. That's why I love what I do because the people I work with, and that's that's what drives them. And I find it interesting to kind of go again back towards the the roadmap and knowing where we're going. When you look at any organization, read any leadership book, they say knowing the roadmap and the vision and the ultimate goal is essential in driving a successful business. Well, if we apply that to our industry, I think we do a really good job when it comes to on farm. Okay, these are the goals for how we raise pigs. This is how we can lead our our team members on farm. But as a collective whole, I don't think the industry knows where it's going in a way where everybody would necessarily agree nor have those discussions probably been as prevalent as they need to be. Uh, And I think now is as good of an excuse as ever for the industry and the stakeholders within it to sit sit down, have these conversations, and really map out what is the next decade going to look like. Agreed. Agreed. So I guess to close out here, I'd really like to have each of you share a golden nugget. That's a thing we do here on the podcast. We have them share a life lesson or a golden nugget for for those listening. And uh, I – Either of you that wants to start, feel, feel right ahead. You go first for me. It's up to you. Um, my big thing right now is, um, especially for some of our clients, is everything we've done to this point is a sunk cost. Everything. The decisions have been made, and, and we are where we are. And so I think today we have to make and be you know, very cognizant of the decisions we're making going forward. You know, don't compound a bad decision you know, just start compounding a good decision. You might make, make a bad decision today, but okay, let's make a good decision tomorrow. And it comes back to philosophy and consistency. Just do the little things every single day. Be consistent and don't get stuck on a bad decision. You can make a good one tomorrow and you can make a good one the next day and just keep, keep going that way. And let's just figure out where we need to go. And everything we've done to this point is, it is what it is. So let's, let's figure out what's best going forward. Well said. Well said. I, uh, I'm going to probably a couple little quick liners that uh, kind of pop up. A uh, couple people that have been influential in my life. Um, many, many on this podcast will know him as probably the greatest pig pathologist to ever walk this earth, uh, Dr. Kent Schwartz uh, at Iowa State. And uh, hopefully I don't botch this, but uh, <laughs> he said, you'll miss more by not looking than by not knowing. Um, and he was referring to, you know, doing necropsies, right? When we were on yeah. fourth years on the D lab floor, but that, I'll tell you what, Matt, that's really blossomed into lots of other things in life. And one of the things is a gentleman sitting next to me here right now. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm a science grounded, um, individual, you know, crazy enough to spend a decade in college, uh, you know, have to, have to do college four years again, going through vet school, you know, uh, but where I'm trying to go here is, is I don't know everything, but aligning with people 
like Mike Wubino sitting here next to me, my partners here at this vet clinic, and our clientele. Uh, it, it's a powerful, powerful tool. Um, there's a lot of good people in this world that know a lot, and I think we always need to be grounded that we need to take advantage of those opportunities and utilize them. So that's maybe a little philosophical, a little more philosophical than, than Mike's, but uh, my, my dad kind of taught me that when I was, when I was growing up, to, to take advantage of, of people, give them the respect that they're due until they do something to lose it. So that, that'd be my golden nugget. No, it's a great nugget, and uh, I think it's a great, great pair between the two, uh, two different styles. And uh, I think the listeners here are going to take a lot from those two items, and I encourage everybody listening to truly even just go back and hear it again and think about how that might apply to the, your thinking, your philosophy, your lifestyle, and how that could help you go forward. So, I mean, I really want to thank both of you for joining the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure and uh, privilege to sit and talk with you both and to get your um, time to share your knowledge and your wisdom. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Matt, yeah. we, we appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a, it was a heck of a time, and I think it's just it's time for us to just talk, be transparent, open up, and what do we want to be? What do we want to be and where do we want to go? So The title is, yeah. is, is perfect. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think we mean, we want everybody to be successful and mean no ill will to anybody. And we just, we want to figure out where, where we're going. So. Yeah. How do we feed the world and how do we, how do we do it in a way where everybody can win? Exactly. Plan on getting old and gray in this industry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, thanks guys. And uh, I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Take care, Matt. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like Swine Tech. Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.